0: Okay, we're almost done with the first chapter of Melachim Bet. The chapter opens up with our not-good king named Ahaziah. Achaziah, king of Israel, because there's going to be a Achaziah, king of Yehudah. Okay? Ahaziah, king of Israel, is a not-good king. And the book opens up with the fact that during his time, Moab, which was like a vassal state to Israel until his time, rebelled against him, which is anytime you're losing your grip on your domination of the other nations, it's a symbol that your kingship is maybe not beloved by God and so on. Then he gets sick and he asks his messengers to go to Baal Zevu, the god of Ekron, to see if he's going to get out of his sickness. Um, a, a, an angel spoke to Eliyahu and um, uh, tells him to go tell... Ahaziah, why is he asking Baal Zivuv, king of God of Ekron, when he could ask God? And he brings that message to the messengers who tell that to Ahaziah. And then Ahaziah says, what does this guy look like? And they describe that he is a hairy guy with a leather belt. And he says, ah, I know who it is. It's Elia. Hey, apparently Elia had a distinct form of trust that people knew. By the way, this isn't the first time a Navi has a distinct form of dress. Also, um, it says that by Shemuel his mother made him a specific cloak so people could identify him by the cloak. <coughs> when Sha'ul was about to go to war with the Pelishtim, and uh, he visited the, um, the the witch woman at Endor to see to to uh, to speak to Shimuel when she conjures up an image of Shmuel and he says, what are you seeing? She says, oh, I see an old man dressed in a specific outfit and this and that. And he says, ah, oh, that must be Shmuel. Meaning these Nevi'im are often uh, able to be identified by their, by their outfits. This isn't the first time we've seen that. They say, okay, so this was, so he says it was Aliyaw, and then he sends him three sets of messengers with uh, like army generals that have 50 men the first two get burned to crisp. Um, and then the third one begs Eliyahu for his life. And God tells him, uh, you could go with this one. And that's actually what we got up to. That the, the third one begs Eliyahu for his life and he is spared for his life. Now, there are a couple of interesting lessons that Alex Israel brings out in this story. He says... Um, The first fascinating lesson has to do with the messengers. He says, you could ask a simple question. The first two groups of messengers that go to Eliyahu are immediately killed. Now, what did they do that they deserve to be killed? Isn't Ahaziah the one who is sinful? And the answer is that there's a Gemara that says that there's no, you're not allowed to claim when you're doing something evil, you're not allowed to claim that I'm doing it because I've been ordered to do so. I mean, when it comes to evil things, the one who executes the evil is the one who gets executed. And there's no excuse of, I'm just a messenger of the person on top of me. You can't say such a thing. Now the reason I find this Gemara that it, to be incredibly prescient, this Gemara to be uh, extremely advanced for its time in pointing out the the, the moral issue with trying to claim, that you're just a messenger of evil and and trying to shun responsibility for it because you're just a messenger, is that that's exactly the, what, what the typical response was from Nazi yeah. uh, soldiers and Nazi um, enablers during World War II, during the Holocaust. That the typical response was we were just taking orders. Now to what extent could you absolve yourself from responsibility when you're just taking orders? But that was a very classic response. and. It was a very famous study. There was a famous study with the electric shocks that, that people would keep administering electric shocks because the doctor told them, even if they heard <coughs> basically the way the study... The study was designed, I think, around this issue to it see how far people go when they're just accepting orders so long as the person giving them the order veils, puts on a cloak of of um, being someone like with, uh, with uh, expertise, right? So if like... So they said they would put someone in another room, and then they would, and then they told these people to go into the into a shocking room, which they had access to a button that would shock the person in the other room. Every time they would press the button, they would hear the cries of the person in the other room, right? And the shocks at first were very low, and they would hurt a little bit of ow. Oh, oh. And then they would get intense, and the more the doctor would tell them keep shocking, they wouldn't stop. And this is like normal people, like you and me, right? So it's fascinating that psychologically we're hardwired to absolve ourselves from any responsibility the second someone gives us the command to do so, and that person is a quote unquote expert. Um, I don't even want to go into the fast to the fascination today with relying on experts, like even things that there's no such thing as an expert in them um, or scholars. Yeah. So like. Um, it, if you uh, have an Amazon Alexa at your house, that box, that it just like pushes news stories, right? And like, it's just always... So yesterday I was looking at it and the title was Scholar Points Out that uh, what's going on in Gaza is textbook genocide. Like, it's like the classic... now, Now, like, great, you found a scholar. I don't think you need a scholar to answer the question, that when you're not killing people, you're not committing a jail, like that's such a, that's a, a foolish thing. But people, it, it's an evil thing, that they, because it's a lie, right? But the person, whoever, the foolish person at Amazon, who decided to push that as a headline, was able to do evil because some scholar told him that you're right. You know, I think it's a very similar thing And now you're going to see a lot of it in the hundred Biden laptop, Like 200 intelligent experts <coughs> Came out and within two days And said, no, right. it's fake It's fake, it's fake It it's all, all ended up being real <coughs> Now, you're going to see a lot of that Because we're in time when evil is showing its face um, And it seems like when the Hagalah says it In every generation they try to destroy us It's true Now we're at a time in which You would think we could play the victim card, but we're not... If you look at it like closely, we're not playing the victim card well right now at all. 1,300 Jews slaughtered and... It's like, mamash, people cared for a day yeah, or two true. and it's already done. Nobody cares. Yeah. All the blame is starting to fall on Israel. Which we... If you were smart, you would have predicted. Yeah. But... But... Were, we're in unique times in which we were, we're seeing evil in a very very clear way um, Now there was one more lesson that I thought was very interesting that Let me see if I remember um, What was it he points out that first that the messengers were responsible for the evil that they did and then his other message. What was it? I don't remember. Okay, there's another one. I'll remember it tomorrow and I'll, I'll point it out. Okay, let's continue in the Sukim. We start in Pasuk Tetva by the Bermalach. Adonai El Red Oto. Al Oh, now I remember. Um, What is. Achaziah trying to do with Eliawanabi. Why did he send his army, his fifty soldiers? What's his goal? To, to. So either it is to escort him to the king, but according to another opinion, intimidate According to another opinion, say intimidate him. Of course. It's to intimidate him out of his prophecy, and fifty soldiers. And it's another the relevant. World. It's a, another relevant story because you see that the people in power would very, very often kill the Nevi'im <coughs> that were prophesying against them. So it would be the first form of censorship. from the first, This is the first form of um, the, the attempt of those in power to limit free speech. Now, like, you know, it's not something that's happening, you know, relative to, our, to, to the extent it happens in places like China, North Korea, wherever, it barely happens in the U.S. that free speech is actually curtailed. But you see the people that are power hungry, how much they wish to do it. And one of the things that Ahaziah is trying to do with his messengers is to, is to intimidate Eliyahu out of his nivuah. To intimidate him out of his nivuah so that he, 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 his nivuah is no longer broke. This is actually kind of a practice from Achav. It was already practiced from Ahab practice whenever from they, the were, they were there's killing the Nadim. The false prophets. I don't like the prophets. Right, exactly, exactly. The same the exact thing, prophets. exactly. Okay. So we see that power is... Uh, the way people preserve power over the millennia doesn't change. It's always the same mechanisms. You know, you always have to have your mouthpieces. You always have to have your false prophets, the media, whatever it is that you're in your generation. All of the, the pieces for the preservation of power are going to be the same. They'll have a different appearance in every generation, but it's always the same thing. So that's the beauty of the Tanakh when it describes these these controlling dictators. It does it so well, and it does it in a way that you find very relevant to today. Okay. So the messenger of God came to el again, the angel of God, came and he said, go with him, don't fear. And he went with the king. Now the fact that he tells him don't fear means that maybe the intent was to scare Eliyahu not to prophesy, right? Okay. And Eliyahu says, because you sent messengers to seek out Baal, Zevuv, garab Ekron, Hamid, Elohim as if there are no gods in Israel or there is no God in Israel, Lidrosh, Bidbarot, to seek out his word. Therefore, the bed that you are on, you're not going to come up from it for you will die there, And he died, as God said, just like Eliyahu promised. And Yehoram, Achaziah's brother, then rules in his stead. And this was, at the time, the second year of Yehoram, son of Yehoshaphat, king of Yehuda. So this is already in Yehoram. If you look at our chart, it's already in Yehoram, king of Yehuda's thing. And and Yehoram is the son of Yehoshaphat. Okay? And Ahaziah's brother, Yehoram, or maybe, I don't know if it's his true brother, his half-brother, or whatever it is. He uh, takes over because Ahaziah did not have a son. So Ahaziah could not pass over the kingship. So... Achab's other son Yoram takes over after Achaziah. Okay, and the rest of the things that Achaziah did are written in the book of Divrayamim of the Kings of Israel. This is where the Chronicles of Israel are kept. Uh, the next chapter is going to be maybe the the most famous chapter in the uh, life of Eliyahu Nabi. And this is the the chapter in which he goes up. To the heavens in a storm And this is the death of Eliyahu But it's not really death Because nowhere does it say that he dies It's more that he just gets swept up in a fiery storm And um, this was already predicted This is the chapter Chapter 2 is the chapter in which Elisha Is officially going to take over from Eliyahu now, do you remember when this was predicted? When he went to Har Sinai. Exactly. When Eliyah went to Harsinai and he kept you know, misreading the message that God was trying to send him that God is not in the loud pronouncements, he's in the sm- still a small voice or whatever it was. There were a couple of things, um, there were a couple of uh, regime changes that needed to occur. And one of them was that Eliyahu would cease being the Nabi of Israel. That is finally coming true in this chapter, in chapter 2 of Melachim Bet. So we will do that tomorrow. Amen. Amen.